You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Hebrews chapter number five, and what a great, great privilege it is to be here. But if you will, uh, keep your finger there at Hebrews chapter number five, and let's turn back over now to Luke chapter number 22. So Luke chapter 22, and if you will, keep your place there at Hebrews chapter number five. And let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get into our scripture this morning. Luke chapter 22, and we'll begin reading in verse number 39, but let's pray first. Heavenly Father, thank you for the great privilege it is to be in this place, and I mean that with all my heart, Lord. What a great honor it is to be here. I don't deserve to be here, but I'm so thankful for the privilege. And Lord, I pray now that you'll help me in these few minutes to be a help to these young people. Lord, our heart is for these young people to know you, first of all. If they don't know you as their Savior, Lord, for them to be saved. And then, Lord, for them to serve you with their lives and to realize that serving you is the greatest life in all the world. And, Father, I pray that somehow you'll use us this morning to accomplish that goal. Help me most of all to lift up Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to bring glory to you today. Lord, I pray that you'll please move on somebody's heart. I remember very well when I came in here last night, I was almost having flashbacks of going to youth conference. It doesn't really seem like that long ago, going to youth conference whenever I was a young man at Shawnee Baptist Church and some others. And Lord, I remember sitting back there, just one in the crowd and listening to the preaching and how you stirred my heart. And Lord, I sure do want you to use me to do that to some young people today. And I pray that you will, please, in Jesus' name, amen. Luke 22 and verse number 39. Here we find Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and it says, and he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed saying, father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, that's the only time you'll find that word in your King James Bible right here in Luke 22. Being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And notice this, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now keep that in mind, if you will. Let's turn over, flip back over, if you will, to Hebrews chapter number five. And let's look down at verse number seven. Hebrews chapter five and verse number seven. This is an account of the exact same time that Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane that we just read about in Luke 22. And it says in Hebrews five and verse number seven, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared though he were a son yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. In verse number seven, we, it says there that he had strong crying and tears. And then back in Luke 22, we just read, it said that he had sweat as it were great drops of blood. I want to speak to you for just a few minutes this morning on the subject, blood, sweat, and tears, blood, sweat, and tears. You probably have heard that saying before that term before 
People use it sometimes whenever they put a whole lot into something. It might be a coach that they've just won the championship and the reporter will come up and the reporter will say, I bet you're excited about this. A lot went into this, didn't it? And the coach maybe will think back on the season and, and think about all that they had to go through and maybe they've suffered some injuries on the team and maybe they've had some mishaps that's happened to them. And, and that coach will say, oh yeah, this was a long time coming. We put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this season. Maybe it's somebody that has some land and they've gone out there and over the years they've cleared that land and they've built them a house out there and, and uh, somebody will brag on the property and they'll say, yeah, we put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into this place. Maybe it's a young person that they grow up and they serve the Lord and somebody comes up to their mom or dad and, and they say, boy, I bet you're proud of your young person. I bet you're proud of your son. I bet you're proud of your daughter. And that parent will say, yes, we are. We thank God to God be the glory, but we put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into raising them. You know, we find here in these two passages, when you put them together, that Jesus had all three of those things. Jesus put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into every one of us today. And I want us to look at those things individually today as we look at the blood, sweat, and tears of our Lord. And then just kind of look at it as it applies to us today. First of all, I want us to think about the sweat of our Savior. The sweat of our Savior. You know, I love how the Bible is right down on everybody's level. You know, some people may try to use all this flowery language and say uh, the perspiration was profusely pouring from every orifice, you know. But the Bible just says he sweat. Hey, listen, Billy Sunday said, I put the cookies on the bottom shelf where everybody can get to them. And that's exactly how the Bible is. It's not a hard book to understand. It's an easy book to understand. And I thank God for the sweat of the Savior. You know, back in Genesis chapter number three and verse number 19, we find where it says, talking about Adam, uh, the curse came because of sin. And it says, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Can I say, young people, that work was not the curse. Adam was already working. Work is not a dirty four-letter word. Work is a privilege. Work is a great thing. But the curse was the fact that after Adam sinned, thorns and thistles came, and the ground was cursed, and he had to work by the sweat of his face. You know, it's fitting that the first man that brought sin into the world had to sweat, and the man we call the second Adam sometimes, the Lord Jesus Christ that would come to take away the curse of sin also sweat whenever he was here on this earth. Can I say this morning that Jesus was a worker? Jesus was not a welfare bum. Hey, Jesus was a worker. Well, we're living in a day when nobody wants to work. It takes 45 minutes to get a Big Mac at McDonald's because they can't find anybody to work. I'm glad we had a savior that knew what it was to work. I mean, listen, we see these pictures of Jesus and he looks like some kind of, uh, some kind of a fruit loop from San Francisco, no offense. But I mean, here he is and he's looking all uh, effeminate with long flowing hair, you know, and he's walking around. Looks like he wouldn't even kill a fly if it landed on a table. Hey, listen, I like one picture, had a picture of Jesus with his sleeves rolled up, had a big old bicep popping up on his arm. Hey, Jesus was a worker. He worked in a carpenter shop. He grew up there working with his dad in a carpenter shop and they would have to go out, no chainsaw, go out with a cross cut saw and cut down a tree. They didn't have any power tools by hand. They would have to plane that wood and sand that wood and take a hammer in their hand and nails in their hand and build those pieces of furniture. Jesus was a worker. He worked whenever he was in his earthly ministry. It's estimated that Jesus walked 3,125 miles in his earthly ministry as he sweat. Jesus was a worker. He said of himself in John 5, 17, but Jesus answered them, my father worketh hitherto and I work. And then Jesus knew the work of the labor of preaching and the labor of ministry. It's a different kind of work, but still Jesus put the sweat into it and he put the work and the labor into going about doing good. So we think about the sweat of the Savior, and then we think about the, the sorrow of the Savior, the tears. 
that Jesus had. In Isaiah 53, over 700 years before Jesus was ever born, it was prophesied of him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I heard a great song that says he was acquainted with grief so I could be acquainted with grace. Praise God for that. In John 11, verse number 35, we find the shortest verse in all the Bible. It's only two words and it says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He knew what it was to shed tears. In Luke 19 and verse number 41, it says, and when he, Jesus, was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Jesus knew what it was like to shed tears like some of you have shed. Some of you in this room know what it's like to shed tears, and Jesus understands that. And then I think about the suffering of our Savior, the blood, the blood. In Hebrews 9 and verse number 22, it says, without shedding of blood is no remission. We're living in a day when people want to just put away, they want to do away with the blood of Christ. But I'm telling you what, without shedding of blood is no remission. There's a scarlet thread, a blood red thread that runs through this Bible. It starts over in the book of Genesis and we find over in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned and God had to go and, and kill an animal. First time blood was ever shed. God had to kill an animal and take those coats of skins and clothe Adam and Eve with them. It continues on down when we get to Abel and we find Cain and Abel who were brothers and Cain brought the vegetables and the fruit of the ground to God. But you can't get blood out of a turnip as they say no blood will come out of a tomato no blood will come out of a green bean but here was Abel over there and he was raising uh, the first of his flock and giving his best to God and offering a blood sacrifice and the blood red cord continues to run through the Bible we found when Abraham took his son Isaac up on Mount Moriah to offer him for a sacrifice to God and thankfully God didn't want Abraham to offer his son and so the angel uh, called out from heaven and said Abraham don't hurt your son God was just testing you and so he said lift up your eyes and he looked over and he saw a ram caught by his horns in a thicket and Abraham took that ram and he offered that ram in place of his son and the blood red cord continued to run through the Bible. We find in the book of Exodus whenever, uh, whenever God was about to come and send the death angel over and, and, and kill the firstborn so that he could bring his people out of Egypt. Oh listen you remember the story whenever God told Moses to tell the people uh, to take a lamb and to kill that lamb and to put the blood on the doorpost of the house and over the door there and he said when I see the blood I will pass over you and the blood red cord continues to run through the Bible hey we find there uh, whenever every time the high priest whether it be Aaron or his sons or the other priests every time that they would kill a bullock or they would kill a lamb or they would kill a turtle dove or a young pigeon every time that they would take that blood and they would offer that blood that blood red line continued to run through the Bible and then we find a woman named Rahab she had been a wicked woman but then Rahab had hid those spies and by faith she said I know your God is the true God. I know that your God has, is, is the answer and God has given you victory. And whenever you come into Jericho and you're going to destroy my city, hey, would you please spare me and my family? And they said, I'll tell you what to do. You take this blood red cord, this scarlet thread that you let us down by and you put that out of your window. And hey, listen, whenever we see that blood red cord, we will save you and your family. All of those things were just leading up to where it would all be summarized and it would all culminate in a man named Jesus Christ. And God would send his only begotten son named Jesus who was born of a virgin who never sinned one time. And for 33 years, he never did sin one time. He did no sin. The Bible says, neither was guile found in his mouth. Never thought a bad thought, never said a bad word, never disobeyed his mom. Never one time uh, said it, wanted something that was not his. He never sinned one time. He just went about doing good. But then at the age of 33 years old, he allowed them to arrest him. And to bind him, they grabbed pieces of his beard and ripped it out of his face. They blindfolded him and they hit him with their hands. And 
They took a crown of thorns and put it on his head. Can you imagine the pain as the thorns were pressed down into his head and the blood just begins to seep out and then pour out of his face and they take a reed, kind of like a broomstick, and they hit him over the head and the blood just pours as they drive the thorns down into his brow. And then they take a cat of nine tails and I've actually seen something similar to what they use and just about put chill, make chills go up and down your spine when you look at it. And they, they, they tied him up. Sometimes they would bend him over. Sometimes they would hold him up like this until their skin was tight. And they beat him with that. And ripped open until you could see his insides and see his bones exposed. And then they made him carry the cross up Calvary's hill. And he laid down upon that cross and they took those big nails and drove them through his hands. Can you picture it in your mind as steel strikes steel as the hammer strikes the nail and it pops through the tendons there and it fastens this hand to the cross and then it fastens this hand and then it fastens his feet and they raise that cross up and slam it down in that hole and all of his bones are out of joint. Hey, listen, the blood that Jesus shed, people try to do away with that blood. They try to do all these new songs and, and, and all these things that are more compatible with your age group and some a little bit older than you. But can I tell you something today, young person, you can't improve on what can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You can't improve on there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. You can't improve upon that. You say, well, how does this affect me? Well, the main way it affects you is the fact that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then today you ought to... You ought to come to him. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? He wants to wash you with that blood. But I want to, I want to read a passage to you and bring it down to where we are today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 15. The Bible says this, and that he died for all, that they which live, that's you and me, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. If Jesus put blood, sweat, and tears into you and me, should we be willing to do any less for him? Today, God wants us to put some sweat and some tears, and if need be, some blood for him. 2 Corinthians 5, I think about the sweat. In 2 Corinthians 5, and verse number 9, it says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. I love that old song, I want to die on the battlefield. Well, young people, don't ever let the devil tell you that serving the Lord is a boring life. It's the greatest life on planet earth. Listen, I would never want, I would never want to do anything else. There's, there's times growing up that there was thing, other things I wanted to do and there was other careers maybe I wanted to have and different things. But I'll tell you what, there's nothing on planet earth I'd rather be doing right now on this day and time than preaching the word of God. Listen, there's nothing in the world like serving the Lord. We have more fun on our worst day than the world does on their best day. Hey, they have to go out and get drunk to have fun. They got to shoot up drugs to have fun. They got to go out and, 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 and commit fornication to have fun. Hey, listen, and we get to serve God and God gives us all kinds of fun along the way. We don't say this because we have to. We don't say this because we're paid to. We say it because it's true. Serving the Lord is the greatest life in the world. Man, I tell you what, I, I pastored for five years in Kentucky. Brother Cooper's been in that area and preached in that area. And uh, I, I told him before church, I said, you won't have any trouble believing this. Uh, but anyway, some wonderful people there. I loved them and still love them to this day. But they had an old building and uh, it was over 100 years old. I was preaching when I first got there and all of a sudden I noticed some ladies were kind of talking back in the back while I was preaching. I thought, man, that's kind of disrespectful. What are they doing? Found out after church that while I was preaching behind me, there was two bats just flying back and forth in the baptistry back there. I was actually there one time and I mean, I would, I would walk in and there would be a bat hanging on the wall or a bat there on the floor or whatever. And I was actually in the service one time and a lady was standing up singing. While she was singing, all of a sudden out from a doorway over on my right came this great winged fowl. I thought, man, I thought pterodactyls were extinct, but here came this huge 
thing flying, and it just began to circle the auditorium. She never missed a beat. She just kept standing there singing the whole time, and this bat's just circling. One boy said it went to the bathroom in his hair, and I don't know about that, but one of the great poems of the past came to my mind. Birdie, birdie in the sky, why'd you do that in my eye? I'm a big boy, I won't cry, but I'm sure glad that cows don't fly. And anyway, but man, it was just circling in there. I was preaching one time and all of a sudden something caught my eye and I looked over and about where Brother Shriver is, I looked over and a cat just came walking on the platform right behind me there. So it went on around, I just kept preaching, it went on around, my wife got up, thank God for a good wife, she got up and took it out. Pretty soon I was still preaching away, all of a sudden here it came again, just walking on the platform right there. And I uh, went to the back and it started walking down through the pews. You could see where it was because every pew it would get to, the person would go like that and look down. And here came the cat down through there. Well, there was a guy on the second row that was a recovering a drug addict, and I'm not sure how much he'd recovered yet. And uh, so he, he decided somebody needs to take care of this situation. So he grabbed that cat and was just sitting there petting the cat while I was preaching to make sure it didn't go anywhere else. But then he thought, I better make sure the cat doesn't come back in again. While I'm preaching, he goes up there and goes back uh, behind the platform to the storage room, grabs a hammer. He's over there hammering, trying to fix the hole while I'm preaching. You say, why'd you preach that night? Nobody knows and neither do I. I just knew I was ready to get out of there. But hey, serving the Lord is exciting. Can I tell you something? Whenever I decided to serve God, whenever I, God called me and I gave my life to the Lord, listen, I couldn't see all the blessings that were in store. I just knew there was a Savior that gave blood, sweat, and tears for me. And I wanted to give my sweat for him. I just wanted to serve him with my life. Hey, listen, there's uh, the blessings. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it. Hey, listen, thank God for the wonderful blessing of serving. When I surrendered to serve the Lord, I couldn't see all the things that were in store. I couldn't see the beautiful country home that God has given us with, uh, hear the coyotes yapping at night and, and see albino deer out back and rabbits out back. I couldn't see the shiny black Chevy Silverado truck with the LTZ package and 22 inch factory wheels. Hey, I couldn't see that. And by the way, it wasn't always like that. My first car was a $400 Toyota Tercel. It was a beautiful two-tone, half white, half rust. I mean, man, it was beautiful. Sounded like a World War I airplane low on oil. Had a big dent in the hood. I pulled into church with that thing. I was proud, man. I had my first car. I pulled in there. A guy came out. He said, Sam, how many people got killed in that wreck you're driving right there? And uh, so it wasn't always like that. But I couldn't see all these, I couldn't see a beautiful wife. That's so pretty that everybody says, how in the world did that happen? All I can say is, I don't know. All I, all I can say is the same Jesus that made blind eyes to see made her, her eyes blind long enough to say, I do. And I thank God for that. But I couldn't see three children outside playing on the trampoline. I couldn't see pastor in a church that has people that love me and owners of Slick Pig Barbecue that go to the church and my family can go eat there every Saturday and then go out and visit the bus route together. Hey, I couldn't see all these blessings. All I knew was the fact that when I was a teenager, I had a savior that loved me and a savior that died for me and a savior that put blood, sweat and tears into me. And if he did that for me, I wanted to serve him with my life. Young person today, God wants you to serve him. Put some sweat into it. And now think about the tears. A lot, of, a lot of people don't want to talk about tears, but I'll tell you what, tears are a language God understands. In James chapter four and verse number eight, the Bible says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. 
I pray that God will give me more tears. I don't cry a whole lot in public, but sometimes when I'm alone with God, in fact, even this morning, God was so sweet in the hotel room and tears just came to my eyes this morning. Man, I'll tell you what, I thank God for the privilege to pray. Yes, we need a merry heart, but you know, you can have joy and tears at the same time. I don't think Jesus, anybody ever lived to have more joy than Jesus. And yet Jesus was a man of tears. You know, I was preaching this at a youth camp and a young man came forward and I saw him on the altar there. And I mean, he was just broken on the altar. And he told me after church, his eyes were bloodshot. And, and he told me after church, he said, it's been two or three years since I've cried. He said, I cried tonight on that altar and it felt good. Young person, when's the last time that you wept before God and you thought about how good God is to you? When's the last time that you wept over your country like Jeremiah did? When's the last time you wept over some lost souls like Paul did? When's the last time you wept over your sin like Peter did? I'm just talking about this. Hey, we need to have some tears for the Lord today. Some tears for the Lord. And then what about the blood? Thankfully, here in our nation, we don't know what it's like really to shed our blood for our Savior, do we? But it's not that way everywhere. In fact, there are many, many pe people that are Christians just like us that have shed their blood down through the years. In Hebrews 12, 4, it says, you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. We, we have not had to shed our blood, but you know, many others have. In Revelation 16, in verse number 6, it says, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. In Revelation 17, in verse number six, it says, and I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And then in Revelation 18, in verse number 24, it says, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. Brother uh, Moyer, could you put that picture up if you have it there? I want to show you a picture of a young man by the name of Dan Juma. This is a young 13-year-old boy from Nigeria. He was a Christian just like you, just a teenage Christian, loved Jesus just like you do. One day some Muslims came into his village with a machete in their hand. They began killing people and they came up to Dan Juma just because he was a Christian. You can see there they chopped his head. He's blind. They actually carved his, they cut his right eye out. His left arm is in a cast there. They cut his body up in a way where he'll never be able to have children. Look at the smile on his face. Dan Juma said this, he said, the joy comes from the Lord. He said, I forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. But you know what? A young man just like you has shed some blood for his Savior. I think about a, another young man named Alexander, Richard Wormbrand, who was a pastor in communist Romania, told about him. And he said his dad's name was Florescu, and Florescu was a pastor. They tortured him mercilessly there in the Soviet Union, which, by the way, young people, don't ever let anybody tell you that socialism and communism is the way to go. This is what socialism and communism does to you right here. A pastor, just like Brother Treber, just like Brother Johnson, a, a pastor named Florescu, they tortured him with red-hot iron pokers and knives. They put him in a cell and they put a pipe in that cell and they drove starving rats through that pipe into his cell. So that way, if he ever even began to drift off to sleep, the rats would just start eating on him. So night and day, he had to stay awake and fight those rats off. They made him stand up in his cell for two or three weeks at a time. Finally, they brought his son. They were trying to get him to, to tell where some of the other Christians were, and he wouldn't do it. Finally, they brought his son. I believe he was 15 years old, named Alexander. They brought him in front of that cell, and they said, Florescu, they said, you tell us what we want to know, or we're going to beat your son. And they began to beat his son right in front of his eyes, and Florescu took it as long as he could. He could handle the beating himself, but he said, finally, he said, Alexander, forgive me, but I can't stand it anymore. I'll tell you what you want to know. And that young teenage boy looked up at his dad. He said, Father, don't do me the injustice of having a traitor for a parent. 
He said, if they kill me, I'll die with the words Jesus and my fatherland on my lips. It made those communists so mad that they just flew on him and just beat him. And his blood was just splattered all over that, the walls there. But he died praising Jesus. A young lady that was there in Romania had been handing out gospel tracts. She'd been witnessing to young kids. And she was engaged to be married. So the communists knew what she was doing. But in order to make it a lot more painful for her, they waited till her wedding day, the happiest day of her life, the day all you girls dream of. You, all your life, you've dreamed the kind of man you want. You've dreamed of what kind of wedding dress you want to have. You've dreamed of what kind of wedding you want to have. And it was the happiest day of her life. And she was standing down there getting ready to say her vows to her husband. All of a sudden, the door burst open in the back. And here came the communists in. She knew why they were there. She knew it was just a matter of time before they came after her. And whenever she saw them, she put her hands together for them to put the handcuffs on her. And she put her hands there when they came and slapped those handcuffs on her. She kissed them, kissed the handcuffs. And then she looked up and said, thank you, my heavenly bridegroom, for this beautiful gift you've given me on my wedding day. I can suffer for you. And they led her away. And for five years, they kept her in a communist prison. When they finally released her after five years, she was so broken, she looked 20 years older. They knew what communists did to young ladies in that prison. I'm just simply saying there are some that have suffered and shed their blood. Bob Jones Sr. told the story of a little girl that had gone down into the town to, to run an errand. Her mom and dad were infidels. They didn't know God. They didn't care about God. They knew about him, but they swore when their little girl was born, she would never, ever see a Bible. She would never go to church. She would never hear about Jesus. In fact, the only time she ever heard Jesus' name was whenever it was blasphemed on the lips of her parents. But one day she went into town, and as she was walking down the sidewalk, she passed a mission and she heard some music coming out of that mission. And it responded with the music in her heart. She never heard music like that. And so she went inside and the lady that worked there said, young lady, have you been here before or whatever? And she said, no, I heard the music and I wanted to come in and see what it was about. And that lady took her and set her down and told her the story that so many of you have heard so many times, you almost get bored when you hear it. But she told her the story about how you're a sinner and you deserve to go to hell. But a man named Jesus came and he died on the cross and he shed his blood on the cross for you. And he rose again. And if you'll ask him to come in your heart, he'll save you and he'll take you to heaven. That little girl was so excited to do it. She got down on her knees and she prayed and asked Jesus to come in her heart and save her. When she got saved, she was so excited. She came running back home and she ran in the, in the door. She didn't know her mom and dad knew about Jesus. She thought if they knew about this, then they surely would want to do it too. And so she ran in the door and came up to her dad and her dad was stone drunk. I mean, drunker than a skunk. She ran up to her dad. She said, daddy, I got to tell you about something that happened tonight. Oh, it's the best thing ever. Daddy, you want to do it too. And she ran in there and she told her dad, she said, there's a man named Jesus that died on the cross to pay for all the bad things we've done. And if we'll let him come in our heart, he'll wash our sins away and take us to heaven. Daddy, I did that. And I want you to do it too. He was so drunk. He began to beat her and beat her and beat her. She had a pretty white dress on and he beat her so bad that the blood just soaked into that dress and it caked to her back. Her mom took her after the dad was done beating her and pulled that dress off and washed her wounds as best she could and they put her to bed. The next day the girl woke up sick and the doctor came and the doctor said she has pneumonia. The mom and dad were just poor lost sinners. They actually did love her but the dad was drunk and they just didn't want her to know about Jesus. And so they stood by her bedside and the doctor kept coming over the next several days. And finally, one day he called the mom and dad over into her corner. He said, I just want to tell you something. She's not going to make it. She's not going to make it. She's so sick. And so when they came back over to the little girl's bed, the mom looked at her and she said, honey, is there anything we can do for you? And she said, mom, do you still have that dress that I had on when daddy beat me? And she said, yeah, honey, I haven't sent the washout yet. She said, can I please see that dress? 
The mom didn't know what she was wanting, but she went over and grabbed out of that laundry basket that dress that had the dried blood on it. She brought it over to that girl and handed it to her, and she held it, and she said, Mom, can I have the scissors? She said, well, what do you want those for, honey? She said, can I just have them? And the mom went over and grabbed a pair of scissors and brought them back to her. She began to cut a piece out of that dress, but before she did, she said, Mom, you don't care if I do this, do you? And she said, well, why would you want to do that? She said, well, Mom, I don't understand it, but I just feel like I'm about to die. She said, I want to cut a piece out of this dress, and whenever I die, I want to show it to Jesus and tell him, you bled for me, and I want to be willing to bleed for you. She cut a piece out of that dress, laid her head back on that pillow, and died. Well, I'll tell you what, those are stories that we hear, and we thank, thank God that we have not experienced those kind of things. But can I tell you the kind of sacrifice God wants from you today and from me is in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Listen, God may not call upon you today to give your life, to shed your blood for Jesus here in America. The day may come, I pray that it won't, but the day may come where we will be faced with that. But I'm telling you what, today what God wants, he doesn't want a dead sacrifice from you, he wants a living sacrifice from you. And can I tell you, if you're not willing to, to sweat for him, if you're not willing to work a bus route for him and to go soul winning for him, and, and if you're not willing to work for him now and the opportunities that God gives you, if you're not willing to shed some tears for him today, do you think you'd be willing to bleed for him if it came down to that? Thank God we have a Savior that shed blood, set, blood, sweat, and tears for us. We ought to be willing to do the same for Him. Every head bowed, please. Every eye closed. Thank you so much for listening this morning. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I would imagine that in a crowd like this, there's got to be some young people that you don't really know for sure that you're saved. You say, yeah, but I'm a pretty good boy. I'm a pretty good girl. I try to obey my parents. And I'm at youth conference here when other people are not. And maybe you think about the good things you've done. Maybe you even go to church faithful. You've been baptized or whatever. But the truth is, none of that will take you to heaven. Only the blood of Jesus Christ will take you to heaven. If you're here today and you're not saved, in just a moment, we're going to give an invitation. I beg you to step out of your seat and come forward and kneel at this altar. If you need somebody to talk to you, I guarantee you anybody would love to talk to you about it. Your youth worker or, or even one of us men up here, we would love to talk to you about it. But by simple faith, you can receive Jesus today. But for most of you that are here, that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. He put blood, sweat, and tears into you, and he would have done it for you if you were the only person on earth. Will you be willing to do the same for him? Don't wait till you get old to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord now. I promise you, if you go to your youth director, if you go to your pastor, they've got something you can do for the Lord now. And boy, you ought to sweat for him now. You ought to, how long has it been since you shed some tears? Thinking about Jesus on the cross. Thinking about the condition of how perverted and ungodly our country is. When's the last time you shed some tears about your mom or dad or aunt or uncle or friend that are not saved they are going to go to hell if they die? Why don't you come today and shed some tears and decide to put some sweat into it? And if need be, we ought to be willing to lay down our life for the Lord and shed our blood for Him. But I'll tell you what, right now what God wants is a living sacrifice. Let's stand together, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.